Hello and welcome to Putting People First, the podcast all about improving your employees' experience at work. I'm Graeme James, Director of Commercial Development at Sodexo, the industry leaders in employee engagement and your host for this episode. In this episode, we're going to discuss men's health topic, mainly around mental health. And joining me in this studio, in the virtual studio, of course, is two very special guests. Uh, Welcome, (coughs) Martin Robinson, author of Book of Man. Uh, Welcome, Martin. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And I'm also joined by Mike here in in the studio with me. Uh, Mike is a branch director of of Samaritans here in the UK. Uh, And welcome, Mike. Thank you, Graham. And morning, Martin. Morning. Guys, how have you been? Pretty good at the moment. Yeah, dealing with half term and children at home. So yeah, usual stresses, but uh, I'm alive. Good. And Mike, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Graham. Not too bad at all. Good. Plodding on as we do. <laughs> as we do. Good. Well, listen, thank you for your, your, your time today. This, this topic uh, around uh, male mental health is certainly um, a, a key uh, passion for me um, and, and certainly uh, an area of, of growing concern. Uh, as we look towards the, the 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 workplace and what's going on, we are in this. I don't know why they call it post-COVID times when COVID is certainly amongst amongst us and still will be and continue to will be uh, for some foreseeable future. But life is returning to normal as, as much as as much as it can, and I think life has has fundamentally changed. So let, let's get started, guys, because. Um, you know, as I said, this is one of the key topics for me. And I, I want to kind of open this session by, I don't know, let, let, let me share a personal story or a couple of personal stories around um, male mental health. And as a, as a line manager and as a, as a leader of, of this business, um, I constantly get surprised um, ar- around this topic. Um, and if I go back and I, I pick out a, a couple of fundamental moments for me as a, as a, as, as a man, uh, as a as a friend and as a, a leader, there there have been a couple of stories that have um, a couple of personal experiences I want to share today that have really um, shook me in terms of perceptions and understanding and not spotting what I hoped I would. And the first one it was was is well was uh, a good friend of mine, and I go back um, almost twenty years, the start of my working career. Uh, me and my friend, who I've known at this point for 10 years, went to school together and uh, we entered the workplace at slightly different points um, and at him a couple of years ahead of me. Things were going great um, and, and uh, bought a house, had a nice car, was, was doing well in his career um, and life was seemingly going very well. I met a girl. Uh, moved in together, had had a really nice house, and all the mod cons. And back then, mod cons were more around a a TV and a video recorder built into one. So anybody old enough to remember those, that was quite a, a quite a phenomenal achievement in terms of tech. And it all looked absolutely amazing to the point that I was actually slightly jealous about my own pace and my own career and what I was also doing. Um, and and then all of a sudden it all came crashing down. I had absolutely no idea. Um, debt, um, you know, relationships had fallen by the wayside and the guy lost his house. 
lost his job, lost his house, lost absolutely everything. And for me, having known this guy, and I would call a really good friend, 10 years, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about this. How did this happen? Because I went to school, I'd been to his house, I'd been to his birthdays, I'd spent time with him, we talked, um, what transpired, I think, when I look back at reflection about stuff, but nothing really serious, Um, to the fact that I actually went and found him in a car park one night after leaving a note through the door. So how did that happen? How did I miss all these signals? Or were there signals? I'm not sure. And then throughout my career, there's been other examples. And one more recently, a real top performer, person that was hitting these targets, doing really, really well, would walking, the life and the soul of the party, looked like he was on a ball, brand new BMW outside. And again, same kind of thing happened. Behind the scenes was um, personal tragedy, personal relationships going wrong, debt building up, all sorts of issues going on. And yet, as a line manager, I didn't spot the signs. I didn't see it. I couldn't understand why on earth, yet again, had this happened. And so I really want us to, you know, have a look at this topic and understand you know, what is going on? Why Why does it get to this disaster point where, you know, the, the, the guy in the car park I thought was dead. I thought he took his own life. He hadn't, but he was going to. I've never driven a Mini quite so fast in all my life. Um, actually, they talk about Mini being on rails. I, I drove there thinking, I'm not sure what I'm going to find. So if, if we can look at this topic, let's get under the skin of this. You know what is going on in 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 our world as as, as men and in terms of that masculinity and what it means and why do we why do men get in this position um, and that's what what I really want to explore today and then what can we do to you know practicality as as, as men do you know I'm always wanting to put a solution in place <laughs> but what can we do then to uh, look at the types of support networks that we can embrace as 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 fellow men, but also as, as workers, as, as workplace employees. You know, how, how can we get around this? So, Mike, I don't know whether that kind of rings true from a, um, a, a Samaritan's perspective, but what, what are you seeing from a... Well, it, it certainly does, Graham, and, and thank you for sharing those, those personal insights and, you know, from your own experience. Um, we now have the suicide uh, figures for the year 2020, and they do provide a, a sort of sobering backdrop, really, into the sorts of discussion that we may have. Yeah. Um, if I can just take you through very briefly, because mm. figures I know can be a little bit complicated. Um, in the year 2020, overall, 4,902 people actually took their own life. That was where suicide was mentioned um, as a result of a coroner's inquest. Wow. So, so the suicide rate for 2020 was 10 per 100,000 of the population. When you break that down further, since we're moving towards Men's Mental Health Day, um, the male suicide rate was 3,682 and with, with female, 1,230. And that, that comes down to 75% of men 
of, of the people who took their own life in 2020, 75% were men and 25% were women. When we break down the suicide rate further, we come to, uh, for 2020, men aged 45 to 49 was 23.8%, and females of the same age, 45 to 49, 7.1%. So we can see from, from those clear stats, and these are st- officially approved statistics, that men, males, are three times more likely to die by suicide compared to females. Wow. And maybe maybe we can get underneath some of that. And you spoke about spotting signs and so on, Graham. Maybe there's something in there for us to consider. Wow. So 75% in 2020 of all yeah. recorded suicides on the on the death certificate, I guess, was, was were men. men. Were wow. men, yeah. So wow. men three times more likely to die by suicide with particularly high incidence, age 45 to 49. And, and and Mike, thank you for sharing that. That's that, that's quite shocking uh, hearing that stat. Has 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 COVID impacted that? What you know, because we've been, we've been in lockdown, we've come out of lockdown. We know that we're seeing an increase in the usage of employee assistance programs. That that uptake is actually going up post COVID. What 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 do you, what are you seeing from a Samaritan's well, perspective? Well, from a Samaritan perspective, we you know we we have a range of of people who call us. Obviously, there are many many features that, and every call is individual. But but increasingly, and you mentioned Graham COVID. Mm. Increasingly, people, not just men, but but men and women, talk about their their heightened sense of isolation. Yes, how they are feeling isolated from the world, isolated from their normal relationships. Maybe they're working from home uh, with the pressures that that brings. Maybe they're not working at all. So a whole range of things. But isolation, loneliness is another linked uh, theme that that, uh, many of our callers will express. Mm -hmm. And it does seem to have been... Um, a significant feature of of the cause that we now have as we move through the COVID mm. the COVID crisis. Brilliant, thank you for that, Mike. Martin, I'm going to I'm going to come to you when you hear that, Martin. And and obviously, I've got a, a copy of your uh, book in in my hand, which anybody who has not read it, I do recommend it. And I will make a plug at the end. Um, what what's your views when you hear that, Martin? Well, I mean, that's that's kind of been the starting point for a lot of the work that I've done, to be honest with you, the, the those shocking suicide statistics. Um, and the idea that if you're under 45 in this country, the thing most likely to kill you is you. That's, mm. that's been just been something that I've, I've found terrifying and deeply interesting as someone who's worked in men's media for, for their entire career. So... Why is that? Why? Why is it so much more prevalent amongst men? You know, 75% of, of suicides. And that's the same worldwide, by the way. You know, this, this, that's a pretty consistent sort of figure around the world. And also against the backdrop, perhaps, of if you look at start looking at other things um, that are related to men, like uh, the prison population, which is 95% men, homeless population, which is 85% at last, last check, and you kind of think, well, what is what is it about men? Why is why is this the case? 
Um, so, I, I mean, I speak to lo- lots, lots of people about this issue. If you speak to evolutionary psychologists, they, who take the very long view, obviously, they're much more of the opinion that, that there's a certain destructiveness and self-destructiveness about being a man and they're much more li- less likely to want to talk about their issues and go through them like that. Um, one guy I spoke to for the book said, you can only change behaviour a little bit. That was his view of it, only a little bit. But that little bit, which in evolutionary terms is not very much, but for us, I think is huge. And that's the bit that I'm interested and we can work on. And I think that little bit encompasses um, culture, society, family, how we're brought up, what are the expectations about being a man, those kind of post-war ideas about um, the stiff upper lip and keeping going and being strong and a breadwinner and not really showing your emotional side are still with us. They're still there. It's not many generations ago. You know, my granddad was fighting in the war. It's not that far away. And these things still linger. And I think now we're in a really interesting time in history where there's massive technological change in the digital era. Um, We're seeing a lot of gender changes as well you know the workplaces are not what they used to be even 20 years ago when i first started in men's magazines um where it was very very alpha very kind of macho and the idea of revealing anything about your struggles was you know you just wouldn't do it that would be your career and your standing in the work Um, And things are starting to change somewhat now. And, you know, it's become much more split in terms of gender. Um, Obviously, we've been through a period where male behaviour has been under scrutiny in terms of the Me Too issue, but also in terms of mental health and the suicide statistic, which has become quite an important, um, you know, talking point for for the whole country, I think, thanks to the work of Samaritans and various other charities and even things like Coronation Street dealing with the issue. It's been, you know, really interesting to sort of see that. And I think it's the way that I'm approaching all these changes, they can be quite scary for men. There's a whole kind of like little backlash against it, if you like. There's a sense that being a man is somehow wrong now and we need to be kind of cured of our own masculinity, um, which is not the view that I have. And I, I think... The main, the main thing that I try and get across in my work, and which is really um, important in this conversation, is just trying to work with the times and try to expand who we are as men, not, not be told off and shut ourselves down and try to return to some sort of form of glory, but to get with the programme almost and kind of go, well, actually, these changes that we're seeing are pretty good for me too. You know, there are some issues around male behaviour which are in the news that needs to be addressed. Um, and that does have consequences in workplaces as well. But also there's massive benefits if we can become more flexible in our expectations about what we expect from ourselves and each other, that we don't always have to be the rough, tough breadwinner all the time. Um, I think that is going to have massively important effects on mental health in general. You know, and, and, you know, the stats are there. And your story was there, Graham. You know, this, it's real world stuff. This happens. You know, men are taking their lives all the time. Men are really struggling all the time. And quite frankly, we kind of always have this code of silence around us, you know, with our mates or colleagues. It's like, if there's anything wrong, I better hide that away. 
what that means is that if you do have a problem, you think that you're the only one because no one talks about it. And if we can somehow break through that and start to open up to each other, that is going to be have a massive, massive effect. Yeah. And, 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 and I think, Martin, you make some really interesting um, uh, uh, you know, reflections there. I think you know, as, as a group of men, you know, you, you're right. And I, I don't know how far, you know, it does go back in terms of, of culture and ancestry. But for example, you know, my granddad never talked about feelings. In fact, he never, ever told my dad he loved him. And, you know, he, he, he was in the war, he came out and they carried on and they, and, and never really talked about it, even until, the last time I saw him, I he he very rarely showed an emotional side, um, and the conversations never went beyond, you know, how's the family, how's work, kind of thing. There was never anything below that that you could I could extract from him. Yeah, and interesting thought there, Graham, because within Samaritans, we we hope that we support people. Um, with their emotions and we support their emotional well-being and we do focus on feelings a great deal you know constantly mm. we are saying to our callers how is this making you feel uh, and i'm very struck and i know that many of my colleagues are very struck by how difficult it can sometimes be for men to focus Absolutely. on their feelings they're quite happy to, to give you a narrative of their life but when we bring the call back to how are you feeling now with this, what is it doing with your emotional uh, well-being, they, they do struggle sometimes with that. But very interestingly, very often will say to us, I have never said this to another person in my entire life. Yeah. Now, that is, that is a great honour for us to be told that. It's a great privilege, but it's an awesome responsibility you know, to be able to, to operate within that conversation over the phone or via email and later next year coming online chat into Samaritans. But, of course, it, it does encourage men in particular, and I mean women as well, but obviously since we're talking about men today, and that's the focus, it does encourage men to focus very much on how they are feeling. And we're not good at that. You know, we're not used to that, as, as we've both said here mm. uh, this morning. It's not within our lexicon to talk about how we're feeling. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Mark, Martin, just on, just on that, uh, and, and again, you know, I, I think even when, Mike, you were saying, how does that make you feel or how are you feeling, I can feel myself tensing up because it's not something that uh, I, I'm used to um, think about. Martin, from your perspective, is it the fact that um, – we simply don't have these emotional feelings. Is it a simple fact that we we uh, have those feelings, but they're so buried deep that we we ignore them internally, or is it actually that is it the ability to verbalise it that really that really we really struggle with? Is it this kind of inner outer voice? What, what's what's your experience on this? Yeah, well, I mean, we definitely do have the emotions. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And in fact, there's been some studies done on children where they've said that um boys are more sensitive more emotional um than girls there just becomes a point where we kind of um realize in in social terms that it's not particularly acceptable we tend to shut it down so it's yeah. definitely there it's just that we don't we, yeah we don't really kind of deal with it very well and i think um 
you know, that a big part of that, as you said, is is kind of the language, literally the skill of talking to each other, with, which, you know, we're not learning from our fathers particularly. You know, mm. we're not mm. learning from each other, who are probably also brought up by similar kind of fathers. Um, so where do you kind of get it from? And when it when it's not, when there's no kind of um, social um, appreciation of that, if you see what I mean, that's not a valid, a, a celebrated yeah. skill to be a good communicator, particularly for a boy, I don't think. To be a bit of a laugh, yes. To be emotional and, and a bit of a support for their friends, probably not. <clears throat> I think a lot of these things, it's very, very complicated. And I think, again, you know, you, you're probably dealing with s- certain instinctual things where where boys just don't like it quite so much and will not communicate with their friends quite like a girl would. Um, but I, th- I still think there's a lot of wriggle room there. One of the interesting things that I've, I've found in, in talking to um, a lot of charities and people who work with men and mental health is that you just have to um, have to tweak the environments in which you try to bring up these issues. So if you sit boys or men around in a room with a, with a circle of plastic chairs, just say, talk about yourselves, that's not going to happen. You're going to have the worst con- <laughs> squirming conversation ever. Um, but yeah. if you... <laughs> If you climb a mountain with someone or go fishing or do some gaming, something side by side, something that is slightly to one side, it actually allows for uh, those kind of conversations to take place. I mean, the classic is obviously a pint in the pub kind of thing. But, you know, you can create these scenarios whereby it's almost like you, you have to do something in order to talk about something on the sly, which sounds ridiculous. But if that's the way that men are, then that's what we work with. And that's how, how you approach it. So I think, again, it's not about sort of trying to switch things around and go, OK, men, we've got to be the most emotional, expansive guys, walk around in robes and, you know, humming and doing meditation, all that. But like, like, let's see what we can do just to facilitate those within male spaces, within areas where men are, and make it a little bit more of a friendly and acceptable thing. The important thing is that when those, when you do open up, that you're not just completely shut down and, and people will ridicule you, which I think probably would have happened quite a bit in the past. I think it's just trying to be aware of that. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, and, I, and I totally agree, and, and um <laughs> You know, the thought of sitting on a plastic chair in a, in a circle talking about how I feel would be, I couldn't think of anything worse. So, no, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think, you know, we do have to try and work with with who we are and, and find those uh, ways of opening. And and again, I'll, I'll, I'll share another story, um, which is uh, we had some uh, building work done um, that started uh, pre-COVID um, and uh uh, we were still continuing in, in lockdown and and for the greater part of lockdown, the only people I actually interacted with were uh, a couple of guys who, who were still managing to do some, some building work. And um, what, what was interesting when I reflect about uh, what you were saying there is that, you know, one minute we, we were quite happily talking about, well, you know, what kind of breeze box or what kind of uh, steel joint should we be having across this bit and the, the weight dynamics and and what the future plans were um into a little bit of uh, mickey taking I, I guess what we would talk which then um opened up into into very short windows of uh conversation around topics that are actually quite serious um but as quickly as they were opened and it, it was a, a a very small um 
view into perhaps another person's world that we we were discussing relationships or um, family or starting a family, um, they were they were closed again quite quickly. Um, but through very much through a bit of banter, which um, during lockdown I, I desperately needed and, and missed from from a male perspective, um, and 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 it allowed me to really think about well, actually, that there was some real there's some real um, not necessarily emotion, but some real inner person that I I never expected to to have with. Uh, with the guys that were that kind of developing the house, so it, it was quite interesting from that point of view. But but Martin and Mike and I've got um, another question when I when I look back at working careers and and, and Martin, you picked up on a, on a very uh, interesting point for me, which is around this um, this facade or this masculinity around you know what at work I can't show weakness. Um, because it's probably my career on the line. It's my job. I don't want to look like I ain't coping or I can't manage what I'm doing or, or whatever it happens to be. I, I missed a load of signs. Absolutely. Time and time again, I have missed the signs or I'm not able to view these. What what should, you know, line managers, regardless of, um, uh, you know, kind of gender, when we when we've got kind of employees in amongst the the team, what, what are the signs or what are the things that we should be doing to try and prevent either the call, you know, uh, to Samaritans or uh, people uh, missing work, um, or it becomes too much for them? What what what, what signs should we be looking for? What what is it? What can I do differently? Well, I think from from my point of view, just from uh, I'm sure Mike's got some some great advice on this but from my point of view it's always just it's behavior change you know Mm. and i think i think being being i think you you kind of have to deal with a lot of intuition on this kind of thing and noticing the behavior of the colleagues the people that you're around every day you know are they drinking more are they turning are they having more time off do you have you heard about some kind of major relationship breakdown things like that there's lots of sort of trigger signs um it is it is difficult because it is that you are especially with many kind of looking you know you're looking for symbols you know secret signs and things like that which is kind of absurd and you might not always if you get them into a room and ask them directly they might not always want to open up um but I think, Mike, I'm going to hand over to you, actually, because I think you've got some good thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah. thanks, thanks, Martin. I mean, very often um, we may, at, in the workplace, notice that something in another person isn't quite right. There's been a slight change in someone. They may not be themselves. We can't put our finger on it. That person, very often, particularly if they're a man, they're not going to be very open about any of that, mm because they're programmed to keep this, as Graham has just said, really inside, because it may well impact on their career, their future development, and and sometimes they may not trust or feel able to, to go to their line manager. You know, and we've I've certainly have had that experience in my own life too, you know, in my own background um, when I was um, in the workplace. Um, but, but there may be something about something's not right. Somebody may have lost some interest. As you said, Martin, maybe they're, they're drinking more. Maybe they're looking really tired. You know, they've, they've had their sleep disrupted. Maybe they feel that they're a bit of a burden. 
And it's okay in the workplace to say to somebody, are you okay? I think we're, we're very reluctant to take that step mm. because we're not sure, you know, how that will be welcomed. But it's okay, and there are loads and loads of examples, and there's some very famous examples of people who, you know, whose lives actually were saved because a complete stranger said to them, and in this case somebody in the workplace could said, are you okay, Mike? Is everything all right? You know, is there something you want to talk about? Uh, and Samaritans, we've had a bit of a campaign recently uh, around it's good to talk, and it might just be, do you want a cup of tea? Do you fancy having a 10-minute break? Let's have a, you know, and it's, it's nothing formal. It's very informal. It's very natural. And I think we need to begin to develop this awareness that actually it's okay to ask somebody, but it's also part of our own communication as men with each other. You know, and I, I, I kind of guess that for men – very often our biggest communication problem is that we don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. We're constantly wanting to do the talking ourselves and, and to reply back and so on. You know, e.g. banter. That's what banter really is about, isn't it? Mm. What am I going to say next? How am I going to make my image look good? Yeah. How can I think of something witty and funny and maybe abusive in that safe environment? But actually, we're not great at listening to understand. And, of course, in Samaritans, active listening is our raison d'etre. It's, it's what we are about. And so each Samaritan would at least go through a year's training <clears throat> to develop those, those listening skills. And if we can somehow get those sorts of skills into the workplace, beginning with a strengthening of confidence in individuals that actually you can do this and it's okay to say something to somebody if you've got that strange feeling that something isn't going right. Samaritans does run a lot of online training for employers and employees and it's all free and it's on our websites and um, I'm sure at the end of this podcast, Graham, We'll be publishing a list of contacts and so on where further help is available. Yeah, absolutely. So it is. It's okay to say, "Are you all right?" I, I think it, that all makes sense, and 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 it it really kind of resonates with me. But when we talk about active listening, I my my own personal um, experiences is that. I'm quite a practical person, so I'm always looking for that, you know, to to provide solutions or let me solve it for you. So if it's at home and the light the light's not working, I'll go and change the light bulb and I'll solve the problem because now we can see what we're doing. When we talk about active listening and we talk about asking somebody that, that there's okay, for me there's almost a little bit of fear around that if I ask this question and somebody says I've got a problem. How, how am I supposed to respond to that? Because my natural stance is, is oh, right, what am I going to do to solve this chap's problem? Yeah. Um, and does that put people off even asking the question in the first place? And and how do, how do, we, how do we overcome that? Mike, if I was to turn around and say to you, or oh, are you okay, chap? You go, well, actually, no, I've got this problem. And I go, 
I don't even know how to begin to do that. What? How do we? How do you know? Is that a problem? Is it? Is it a different mindset that we need? Well, you know, as the person who is doing the listening, we we don't have to have the solution. How can we possibly have a solution for another person? You know, we don't know that person very well, perhaps, mm. but actually, we 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 don't understand their complete context. So it, it's it's not judging somebody it's it's making a safe space for someone to be able to talk in a very non-judgmental way um in some you know it, it doesn't matter what somebody's going to say to you there is no judgment on your part um but it's certainly not solution focused and very often this, certainly in samaritans there we do not offer people advice mm. we are forbidden to offer advice because how can we offer advice to a complete stranger that's on the end of a telephone. But we will encourage people through that conversation to talk through how they are feeling and and maybe listening for triggers, because very often there are triggers in a phone call. Somebody might say, well, I got to the stage when I thought it wasn't worth living. Well, we may not pick that up at that sentence, but we will certainly go back in that call to, to review and reflect. You said earlier that you didn't want to continue living. Let, do you want to talk about that? You know, wh- what is it that's making you feel that way? Have you thought about other solutions, other ways in which you perhaps can deal with, with how you're feeling at the moment? So it, it's... You know, going back to this point, we feel very often as as blokes that we're the ones got to do all the talking. Mm. We don't, you know, in that kind of conversation, certainly a Samaritan very often can say very little, but an hour later a caller could say, thank you very much for listening to me. I feel so much better because there is a catharsis in being able to talk about how you feel, especially if there's no other context in which you can do that. Mm. And I guess that's why many people will phone Samaritans and will trust Samaritans as a as a very trusted brand. It's been going 60-odd years. Mm. You know, they, it is a safe place for people and it is confidential, mm. which is crucial as well. Sometimes in the workplace, people are very nervous about the, the confidentiality aspect. Mm. Who will my boss tell? Will somebody else know? Will the managing director be told? Whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, so, so it, it's, but, but it's, it's quite a skill, actually, to be really listening to another person and creating that sense of mutual respect and trust. And trust is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that there's some real fundamental uh, parts to that in terms of that vulnerability and that, you know, sharing one's feelings as, as a man that may be held against you at some point or, um, you know, actually, well, I don't think you're capable of that because you remember last year that happened to you and, and all the rest of it, and it may impact that. Martin, just, you know, from, from your from your research and from your understanding of of, of the topic and um, what Mike was saying there, does that does that resonate? You know, is that what what, what we see commonly? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, there really needs to be 
this is one of the big crucial areas for me. There needs to be a perception change within men as to how these conversations should work. Because you're right, there's a certain idea of if your friend has got a problem, A, a fear of can you, you know, deal with it with them. Um, also, B, do you care as much as you say you do? You know, there's got to be a self-awareness. Are you prepared? Everyone, you know, there's a lot of things at the moment saying it's okay to talk, all that kind of stuff, but are you really prepared to do it? Is this, have you got that switched on? You know, you can throw out that question, you're okay, yeah, I'm fine, okay, cool. But are you really prepared to go there? And you need to get that serious, that serious idea in your head to be able to do that. And you're quite right, and not have the idea that you're going to solve it. And I think that's the thing to get home. You don't have to solve this. You are listening. You're listening. And although that is a skill that is perhaps something that we a lot of us lack, and I include myself in this, but you know, this is, we talk about bravery, men being brave. This, to me, is where the bravery is now, okay? Yes, it does feel a bit scary and it's a bit unknown, but let's be brave and make that leap into asking and seeing how it goes. Try the listening. Try and understand. Try and get it out of friends. Develop those skills. And it is, you know, it's not, it's a similar kind of thing to doing, I don't know, base jumping or something like that. It's scary. You're gonna, your heart's going to be going. You're going to be on red alert. It's going to be uncomfortable, but go with it, get through that because the good that you could be doing for them is enormous. And the good that could be coming back to you is also enormous for when you most need it. So, I mean, this is, this is the, the, the big area for me. You know, it's like, it's about pushing ourselves beyond what our normal expectations are and seeing what good comes of it. And I bet you there's a hell of a lot. Yeah. It's also, uh, if I'm, if I might say, it's developing a culture within an organization that is open and that does recognize that that mental health is a thing you know no nobody taught us at school that we don't have to believe what is going on inside our head i certainly never got taught anything like that you know and all of us over the years have believed things in our heads that actually we had no business believing because they just simply are not the case so it's developing a workplace culture whereby everybody in that culture, this is not just a few people in a particular department, it goes across the entire business. And it's yeah. not for me to, to, you know, to certainly indicate how businesses should operate, but certainly there needs to be a complete company-wide acceptance that as, as there is with physical health, Mental well-being, emotional well-being is absolutely critical. And, and very often thinking about, you know, the, num- the millions of workplace days every year that are lost, mm. you know, to people mm. who are signed out of work with anxiety, depression, whatever it might be. So, so it's, a, it's a big cultural change that, is, that, that really is beginning to happen in, in companies. Yeah, I think it has to come from the top down. Yeah. You know, you have to lead by example in these things. And this is this is the other tricky thing that you have in, in building that change within an organisation, that it really is sort of, you know, CEO, managers, the whole company has to lead by example and be, be prepared to be a bit vulnerable in front of teams. This is the really tricky bit, you know, because obviously no one wants to feel like they're not or, or feel like they're not showing everybody that they're in control and know what, 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 what's going on at all times but I think it's really crucial you know it can't just be left as kind of like the shop floor 
to kind of mop up and deal with the problems. It's, you, it's got to be shown to be a valued and real thing from the human beings at the top as well as at the bottom. And I think that's, yeah. that's when things get really interesting. And I think there's a lot of brilliant managers and, and directors and CEOs who are now starting to do that and finding real worth in it. But I think that that would be, as a, you know, you think about the younger people who are just starting off their careers, that's the thing. They're going to they're going to be in a workplace where oh okay this is this is kind of acceptable I can go there and it won't have consequences on my career because my boss does it and look where he is and that's the bit for me. And actually, if I just could, could come in there, Graham, you know, a nominated day, you know, World Mental Health Men's Mental Health Day is fantastic in many many ways. But, but if all it does is produce a knee-jerk, tokenistic response, maybe that's not what we're looking for. But certainly a day like that can really focus thinking and can really alter uh, how people do things and how people see things. Yeah. So these days very often can lead to cultural change. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think... I think there's some, there's some really interesting parts around there. I think the, the first part is this um, breaking down this barrier, you know, Martin, to your point between, you know, what is a strong leader and that emotional uh, vulnerability. And they almost, uh, for a lot of people, go against each other because as a leader, you're supposed to be strong, lead from the front, uh, and then to turn around and say, something that might make you feel vulnerable, does that then question that leadership? And this brings in this in emotional intelligence uh, and, and how we deal with um, that, that leadership role and that, you know, perhaps not always, but that male masculinity versus that um, I'm still an individual, I'm still a human with that inner voice that's perhaps eating away at me at something that I'm not able to talk about, I, I think is is, is one aspect. Um that needs to start to be break, broken down and, 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 and be aware of that. And I think, Mike, to, to your point, you know, there are, you know, there are, you know, fixes that can be put in place, whether it be, you know, availability of hotlines, whether it be availability of things like employee assistance programs. But, but there is, a, for me, there is a bit before we get to that part, which is about the, the support of each other before, you know, actually just, give the hotline a buzz, you know, they'll sort you out kind of thing. It's that kind of dismissive behaviour that, that, that you know, even I found myself into, oh, yeah, give, give the call the hotline, you know, you'll be, you'll be right as rain next week. It's, it's not that at all. And I think, you know, you, you, you know to your point, Mike, there, there is that awareness day that, you know, that we're certainly embracing. We do uh, multiple times for, for different um, uh, awareness weeks and awareness days. But if I look at, you know, if we were to say to to our listeners today, you know, what could organize, what could our listeners do to start to to break this down b- between, you know, we've got the the line of defense from support services and, you know, this ability to create these safe spaces where it's okay to say, are you okay? Or it's okay not to be okay, as the as the phrase is. Well, there's lots of things, isn't there? I mean, there's, there's kind of like, because everyone's different, there's no one solution for everybody. So I think it's important to just have a range of different approaches. I think things like this are, are important, you know, uh, broader sort of like company-wide sessions, you know, around these these big days, men's health days. But I think it, it 
you know, as Mike touched on, it's, it's about having that consistency there. Um, I mean, I've seen interesting things around um, mental health first aiders, visible people with a special lanyard on who were there, who were trained up by Mental Health First Aid England uh, and who are kind of around staff and can be taken aside for five minutes or something like that. I think also meetings with line managers, that can work for some people. It might be intimidating for others and they don't want to reveal themselves, but it can work, you know, building that relationship up. Um, But I think, you know, fundamentally it's, it's about... It's about uh, providing occasions for different types of experiences whereby, for instance, lots of people can explore vulnerability. And that does, a lot of that is social stuff, you know. I do think like, you know, training sessions, days out, those kind of experiences whereby, again, from a man's point of view, whereby you're doing something, an activity together, and then there's also time to have a chat afterwards, you know. And I, I think that's that's really crucial. I also just wanted to touch on the fact that though we are talking about men you know we're all in it together you know there's other genders we're all there and 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 within workplaces men shouldn't just have to go to other men to talk about their problems that's obviously not the way it's going to work and you're going to have female bosses and all the rest of it and and i think that's that's a great and important thing you know not just for men to help with the mental health of women as well but also, lots of men that I've found uh, will not talk to their mates about their problems, but they will absolutely talk to a female friend. They will absolutely mm. do that. For whatever reason that might be, they just feel more comfortable doing it. And I think that appreciation and that amount of, of, um, of mixing is, uh, is, is really important, I think, for, for any workplace. Yeah, I think that's really good. What's... Um... I know one of the things that you 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 mention in your your book, Martin, is around kind of Andy's Man Club, and I know that I think there's now twenty six um, locations up and down the UK, if I remember correctly. What what how do how do they work, and what and is there a real visible impact in terms of of, of how that's working and operating, and and the 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 the, the, any positive impacts in that what's yeah well i think the interesting thing with them um i mean they are they're a, a group that started in halifax as an ex-rugby player called luke ambler whose brother-in-law died by suicide and he he just set up i mean this was just the room we talked about the plastic chairs but it's a room with plastic chairs cup of tea on a monday night free session that anyone could turn up to and talk through the problems and the although it is the plastic chair situation because he's a rugby player, he's very, very blunt. You pass around a rugby ball. I've been to one of these sessions in Hull. Pass around a rugby ball and, you know, there's like only four questions that are asked um, and you can share stuff or you don't, you don't have to. But the sessions are, are, are quite uh, good fun, lots of banter, um, but there's also a lot of tears. and And this is something that is... That it's fascinating because it's just grown from one to, yeah, as you said, I think there's 26 around the country. I think it might even be more. And there's thousands of men going there every Monday night in all these different places. There's a real need. Um, and, but there is, there is a, there's grassroots stuff going on all the time. And that, again, that is something for people to be aware of in the organization that it doesn't necessarily have to be all on you. You can point people in these directions there's also just a lot of great campaigners, campaigners on uh, social media as well. There's a lot of 
great charities doing a lot of work there and doing quite extraordinary visible campaigns which are really pretty powerful and i think you know being able to share those for instance you know just spreading the word on those i think is really important i mean there's a you know there's a bit of a sort of disconnect in actual mental health provisions in this country you know what you can actually get from your gp if you can actually see one but um but there's in, but there's lots of other things that are happening that are that are really important touchstones for people and it also for me makes it clear to men that this is not just a <clears throat> a, a fad it's not just a funny little thing that's happening kind of that you've seen in the news this is like a massive movement it's really changing and everyone from all sectors of society from <clears throat> working class rugby lads to princes everyone is getting involved in it so it's a really it's a really interesting time i think you mentioned there, Martin, you know, the, the, the wide range of charities and organisations that are working in this field. And many, many of them are incredibly impressive, as you've said. You know, the, very often, you know, in Samaritans, we say, do it ordinary people doing extraordinary things and very quietly doing it as well. Um, we, we too signpost our callers to a range of other charities and providers um, and we have an approved list of those that we signpost people to so we're very aware that that there are other fantastic organizations and other charities who clearly are dependent upon donation you know these, these charities like Samaritans like ourselves we are dependent upon whatever money we have to be able to run our service um, Samaritans was originally set up so that, and our mission is still Chad Vara, 1952. Chad Vara was our founder, and Prince Charles is our patron. Um, Fewer die by suicide, and that is still our, our overall mission today. In terms of how we operate within within the workplace, culture doesn't change automatically. It, it has to be driven, and actually people have to be trained. You know, they have to be trained to listen. They have to be trained to to look out for signs and so on. Obviously, I would point individuals to the training that Samaritans provides. I've mentioned it earlier. If anyone's interested, there will be information about that afterwards. But, um, you know, there is a lot of stuff out there, sometimes a confusing amount, for, for people to navigate their way through. But but you're right, huge amount of good work taking place within the voluntary sector. Great. Thank you both. And if I was to kind of summarise some of the, the things that, that we do, we, we know that this is a, a growing need. Um, it is within, you know, everybody in the organisation to, Martin, as you say, to be a little bit braver to ask the questions, um, and I, I think for me, one of the biggest things is is this active listening and what does that mean, um, and trying to put aside the the typical um, male psyche of you know I'll provide the solution if the if the light's not on I'll fix it so you can see uh, in the room um, and 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 then embrace this um, you know cultural piece that it's okay to to talk and try and provide you know those um environments where it's a it's safe 
and there's some trust can be built um and you know link it with an activity and you know maybe that starts with the banter maybe that starts with a little bit of mickey taking to allow those conversations to to open up and 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 allow them you know to go on and explore without that and i guess from a listener's point of view mike you you would say that you know you don't have to provide that solution it's just just opening out and i think you know sometimes you know some of our some of the the problems that we perhaps don't talk about is actually we're just looking for a bit of reassurance that you're not alone and that actually what you're feeling is like yeah i get that too i say exactly how i feel or whether it be you know the pressures at home whatever that home environment looks like or the the work-life balance or the isolation or that little worry in your head that you you can't get rid of when it's bedtime or whatever it happens to be sometimes maybe it's just the fact it's say yeah that that's okay to to feel like that that's that's normal and of course there's there's times when you know a greater level of support is needed to be able to to be able to do that yeah absolutely no i completely agree with with everything you've just said you know i think that really i mean all of that stuff that's the complete sort of takeaway and and again you know i just see this all this really positive thing really positive time if we get it right make massive massive impact yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So to, to our listeners of, of this podcast, um, we, we, we certainly hope you've, you've listened and understood perhaps some of the complexities, some of the shocking statistics that, that Mike talked about earlier. Um, and, and just to understand that uh, masculinity changes that we're, we're going through as, 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 as not just as a country, but as a, as a, as a gender about the, the need to change and the ability to, you know, I'm glad Martin, we do have our emotional feelings hidden somewhere in our, in the depths of our brains that we, we do need to bring to the front and, and accept that it's okay um, to talk about to, to prevent, you know, some of these sadistics that, that we talked about earlier, our own personal um, stories and experiences around male mental health and, and how that works and, and to embrace the openness that it, that actually it's okay it's okay to talk and it's good to talk as 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 the as the phrase goes before before we end today's uh, podcast mike any any final thoughts for, on the topic today any advice for our hr audience listening to this i w- i would guess that actually as you've said martin uh, and also uh, graham it it is good to talk and this is about listening and actively listening to people. And I suppose I would say this, wouldn't I? But if anybody uh, just wants to give us a call, it's free phone, 116-123. And uh, you can telephone us 24-7 any day of the year. And somebody there will pick up somebody will there to pick up the phone and they won't judge you. They will listen to you in a safe confidential space and will encourage you to focus on your feelings and how things in your life are making you feel martin any (laughs) any final um thoughts for our for our podcast listeners today when they listen back at this and reflect on what what perhaps they can do differently um i think it just comes down it always comes down to uh uh personal responsibility i think you know as much as you you we want broad change it does come back to each one of us to make a decision that they're going to be part of it 
and to be the first one, and that's back to this bravery idea, <clears throat> to be the first one, to be, to be the HR person who speaks out and really presses for these issues, to be the employee who dares to just speak to their line manager about their issue or approach a friend who's clearly got something going on with them. I think that, that to me, is, is all about empowerment. We've got to empower people to do it. And we've got to empower ourselves to do it and have that stimulus and that uh, that realisation that we can make a really positive effect on the people. You know, it's, it's work, but it's, we're also with people every day. It's making a positive impact on them as well as do the work well. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Martin Robinson, author of Book of Man, thank you very much for your participation today, your insights and your uh, pearls of wisdom in, in, ter- in terms of talking about change, empowerment and taking that first bravery step. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Mike, thank you also to you, uh, branch manager of, of Samaritans, um, branch director of Samaritans. Thank you so much for your insights, your, your statistics albeit very shockingly, and um, let's see if we can actually, through the culture of organisations and employees and and as men, make a difference to, to some of those statistics. Thank you very much, both indeed. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, both of you, for your contributions. Well, that's all we have time for in this episode of this podcast. Thank you for listening, and thanks so much for your time, Martin and Mike, um, for your input today. Of course, for more advice and support around looking after your employees, make sure you visit our blog as well as subscribe to our podcast, where you can find more information and support on men's mental health. Thank you all. Thank you.